again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, amen. amen. Can you just bless somebody beside you? Tell, just grab one person and say, God will bless you today. With understanding. With understanding. With insight. With direction. With the healing. Emotional healing. Spiritual healing. Physical healing. In the name of Jesus. Say wisdom. Ability to make right decisions will come upon you again today in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats for a while and then we are going to exalt the name of the Lord. We are going to bless His name by making declarations about Him. Let's say this again. We can't say it enough. God said, I am God and there is none else. The reason is simple. Many things try to be God. That is all. And many of us will fall for that temptation, recognizing other things as God, even though we claim we are believers and that we recognize only one God. And we thereby qualify for this rebuke from the Lord. So these people draw with me with their mouth, but their hearts are far away from me. What does that mean? We open our mouths and say, yes, he is God. But then when we want to go into the details of life, uh it's a different matter. We start ascribing. You see, because saying God, like I say all the time, God is a title. It's not somebody's name. It's a title. You go to a hospital, you get there, you say, I want to see a doctor. You go to a place like teaching hospitals, University of Nigeria Teaching Hospital here, UNTH, you'll see over 500 people there. Maybe over 700 that use that title. Okay? Okay? And they have their, they have their personal names. So when you say doctor, it conjures something. All right? All right? Somebody who can listen to you, who can diagnose the problem, who can offer a solution, you know, medical solution. Now, God is also like that. Okay? His proper name does not exist. You know, I've seen people try to prove to you that this is the name of God. To me, that is a bit insulting. Yeah, you know, you don't understand him enough, you know. I remember some people came to our house, those days when we were young, and the assignment just to tell us that the name of God is Jehovah. And I'm like, okay, so what are you trying to say? Listen, when God gave his name to Israel, you know, they, they had to recognize him, okay, by a covenant name. That was what he gave to them. You can't say that is his name. That's, a, that's somebody's language. It's not my language. Do you get my point? If he had to reveal himself to an African man, he would have used a different sounding name. But the truth is that you just have to know who you are referring to. And number one way he describes himself is to link himself with a human being. That's number one way God describes himself. What do I mean? He's a God of Abraham. You know, because other people around had their own gods. So everybody claimed this is their... And even the name you call him, somebody can put the name and give to another thing. And that's what we call the third commandment. All right? That he said, don't take the name of the Lord thy God and give to a vain thing. That is, even that proper name, Yahweh or Jehovah, whichever you pronounce it, you can give it to a tree. That doesn't mean that that tree is now God. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. All right? That doesn't mean that tree is now God. Okay? So he likes to attach his name to people so that you don't make any mistake. So he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
And that was how he described himself to Israel, so that he would understand the God they are dealing with. He was not as concerned about that name that you call him as much as you recognize who we are dealing with here. So you say, the God of Abraham. He said, oh, I don't know. The person who called Abraham appeared to Abraham, called him, leave your father's house, come with me. That's the God we're talking about. The God of Isaac. They know how Isaac was born. They know how Isaac grew up. They know how, in fact, Jacob called God the fear of Isaac. I hope I get my point. They know the God of Jacob. So when they talked about it later, everybody understood. And let me just say something to us again so that we don't make the mistake. Christianity is not Judaism. It's not advanced Judaism. A lot of times preachers preach. They preach Christianity as if it's advanced Judaism. You know, you go to university, you study maybe um, mechanical engineering, then you now come and do a master's degree in mechanical engineering, then you do a PhD in mechanical engineering. So we treat Christianity as BSc is Judaism, PhD is Christianity. It's not like that at all. Now, you see what I'm going to explain in a moment. So, you see, that's why you see throughout your New Testament, read your Bible, God was not called God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. Only once in the book of Acts, the Peter talking, was it Peter or somebody talking to the Jews referred to him like that. Every time Peter had to write a letter, every time Paul had to write a letter, every time James had to write a letter, every time um, John had to write, every time they had to describe God, they linked only one name with him again. You know that name? Jesus. And I became God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They did not call him the God of Abraham. They did not call him the God of Isaac. They did not call him the God of Jacob. They called him God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not an advanced Judaistic religion. It's not. It is about Christ Jesus. It is about Christ Jesus. It begins with Christ. It ends with him. All the promises of God are in him. That's just an aside. I want Christians to bear it in mind. I've heard preachers say that God has two covenant people on the earth. Well, maybe it's true. It's just not my business. Because I know all the promises of God, they are in Christ. Even the Jews, you are saying they are God's covenant people. The covenant is of no effect until they step into Christ. And inside Christ Jesus, there's no wall of separation anymore. So we're talking about God. So, where we often deny him, back to what I was trying to explain. So, he's God, the Father of our Lord Jesus. That's his overall title. But in every aspect of life, remember I said God is a title. So when you say God, if you are sick, there is something you are saying. Many times, our God is food. We draw near with our lips, but in our hearts, we are far away. If I'm not feeling well, it is the food. Then I spend so much time on diet. Life expectancy, it's about food. People who eat this, they live long. Those who eat this, they don't live long. Then Japanese eat this, they live long. You are just saying God is not in charge of life. Food is in charge of life. When you talk about um, protection, wealth, how you talk about it, please, it's very important. Please, you know, we started that from the beginning. How we talk about it is what shows where our hearts are. Not what we, do, do you get my point? That is, when we're talking casually, it's not just when we want to sing praise in church. Uh, God of miracle. Nah, my, then you never agree that he does miracle anywhere. You understand? Like we were singing earlier. 
You are God from beginning to the end. But you know when you get to Nigeria, your power, you know, it ends in Cameroon and ends in, it starts again in the Republic of Benin. But in Nigeria, no, Buhari is God. That's the head of state. Now, we do all of these things. Alright? Why, what is God in my life? You know, it's hard to get a good job in this country unless you have a first class from a first top level university. You know what they're trying to say? Certificate is what? God. That's, that, that's the meaning of God. And when you're talking, do you understand my point? You have, listen, like you're raising children, teach them those things. Let them know how to pray about things. Because you said, say to them, listen, this is not about, like I told you, one my wife told my kids very early, to say thank you before you eat to God. Abba. It's not just, Father, no, it was a lesson. They learned it. This one is not here because daddy has money, mommy has money, and market is open. It's not here because of the weather. Each grain of rice is a gift of God. So we have to thank God for it. So when we see that loaf of bread, even though we saw the people selling the bread, even though we saw the money come out of the pocket, pay and exchange for the bread, even though we saw the bread put inside a bag and transported down home, when it's time to eat it, we know it's still a gift of God. Everything we, we just described is a process by which he brought it there. So we say, Father, thank you. You know, many of us don't remember to say thank you when we want to drink water. We forget it a lot. Even me, I forget it once in a while. But I try to remember as much as possible. You buy the small sachet of water for 10 naira, and you have 10 naira in abundance. Just tear it. Throw away the bag. Tear it down. Swallow the water. You have never been thirsty. That bag of water, just pause for a moment. Thank you. Do you understand my point? And the person you are telling thank you, you know. He knows also. So as you squeeze the bag, I'm like, ah, thanks for thinking of me. If I say this, it sound funny. Do you know? But it's not the truth. It may sound funny. When they were bagging that water, they wrote your name on it. You may not say it, but it was written. I pray, you know, I told the prayer I prayed. Pray for yourself too, that God will help you see things from above, not from beneath. That's why you know that water is not the water of accident. So when you receive it, you thank God for it. We draw near to him, not just with our mouths, with our lips, but with our hearts, recognizing who he is. That's what we've been trying to do all this series. We take different aspects, we look. Let me remind us again. The world, the primary, one of the primary assignments it has is to distract us, to make us look elsewhere. You will read newspapers, they will describe everything to let you know God is not God. It's no longer, you know, even what they call Mother Earth. You know what they call Mother Earth? Mother Nature, I wanted to say. Yeah, they also have Mother Earth. You know, like David Possum will explain, there's no Mother Nature. You know that? There's no Mother Nature. It's a conjecture. It's idolatry, actually. To say Mother Nature is pure idolatry. There's only one Father God. Are you getting my point? Yes, he's a creator. I teach medical students. And we know a lot of biology, you know. And I always say that, I say it like a joke, but I mean it. When I say, in fact, sometimes when I start talking, they start laughing. I'm not to describe something, maybe the way a part of the body behaves. As a God in his infinite wisdom and everlasting kindness. That's why I put words like that. There are three I use 
let me try and get it. I said, God in his infinite, you know, mercy, everlasting kindness, and eternal wisdom. Yeah, that's how I put it. I said, he has done in such a manner that when your eyes looking this way, it's connected by some wires with this part of your brain. Why? I will explain. I never say that, you know, when you when we read most textbooks, they make it look like an accident happened. And suddenly, I remember I showed up out of nothing. I remember combined with Euglena and became Amphixos. <laughs> Amphixos grew and grew and grew one day. He started standing straight and he said his name is Okemute. <laughs> Are you getting my point? And you know that you hear so much an average child grows up thinking it's, it's reasonable. Thinking it's, but that thing is so silly. It is so silly. It is so silly. It's like an earthquake happened or volcanic eruption. Or the one that just hit, um, uh, not exactly now, uh, Bahamas. Destroy many things. Then by the time you finish, you see a brand new seven-story, you know, luxury condo. Each room with, you know, AC, you know, um, LED TVs, everything. Say, so what happened? Ah, you were not there. It was the earthquake or the hurricane. It just arranged everything. That's how this house stood there. Now, it sounds funny, but it is that what I've said is even more reasonable. Even those who don't believe in God, the way you and I do, they've said this does not make sense. So they have their own alternative theory is that life, that is when you look at all the information we have about the earth, how long it has been there, things that are there, they said for life to be here, it must have come from somewhere else. I know one man, he's, he sends kindness, you know, um, setting balloons out there to try and trap life floating in outer space, trying to land on the earth. He said that DNA had to have come from somewhere. That for it to be on the earth does not make sense. It has, that's his own theory, that it must have come from somewhere. So he's looking for where it came from. Because the way we understand it now, it could not have arisen spontaneously. And the man saying he does not even believe in God. I read his story. We published his, his testimony, one of our, one of his testimony, because he went to court. Because there was a time some Christians sued to have the rights to teach creation in school as academic and not a religious thought. You understand? So they sued. I think it was somewhere in Alabama. And so he was called by the Christian lawyer as a witness, even though he was not a Christian. His own testimony was just to show that what they call evolution now, what is taught in school as the origin of species and life, is even more ridiculous than what Christians are preaching. That was just his own testimony. And one of the things he explained, when he was talking in court, and the lawyer was asking him questions, the lawyer said that's for the ACLU and people like that. The lawyer said that, well, anything will look like design after it has happened. He said to the lawyer, you obviously don't understand probability, you don't understand statistics. He said, let me give you an idea. He said, imagine that people enter into the, what they call, um, sorry, evolution, you know, life arising out of nothing. He said, imagine that people go into a stadium. Let's use Nigeria. Now there's a QA stadium we have here. That sits how many thousands? But let's just take a stadium that sits about 20,000 people. Okay? 20,000 people. He said, and people just go in spontaneously and they sit down. Then you start checking. Without any plan, without anything. And they sat 
in the exact order, alphabetical order of their names. He said, that's what you are telling us to believe. He said, and they didn't do it once. They did it in ten consecutive games. He said, if you see that, and somebody tells you it happens spontaneously. He said, that's how I explained to the lawyer that, look, this is my, my brother. You're a lawyer. I'm a scientist. Let me try and break this thing down to you so you'd understand what you are teaching people. And this is the point. He doesn't believe in God. He's a mathematician and a physicist. He just sits down and look at, looks at mathematics. And he said, what you guys are describing? <laughs> if I read what he said for you, he said it is impossible. And what we are trying to describe, what he just explained now, is the basic foundation, that is basic enzymes in a bacteria. Bacterium. You know what they call bacterium? That's, that's what, all this one long grammar is to show you that what is inside bacteria is more intricate than what he has explained. And you are telling me to believe it came out of nothing. The man said, no, 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 I can't accept that. So when the Bible says, in the beginning, God, believe it. It's very reasonable. Scientifically, it is reasonable. That's why in our magazine, the one we wrote it, we said, which was more scientifically probable? Creation or evolution? By the knowledge of science we have today, creation makes more sense. But every time you take a book and read, they speak as if it never happened. 4.7 billion years ago, then 4.3 billion years ago, of 3 billion years ago, then the bacteria, they were formed. You know, they began to form. That's what they say. They began to form in the ocean when the skies cleared and sun was getting down there. And then, and then, along the line, accidents happened. The bacteria grew wings. The more accidents happened, and bacteria grew spinal cord. The more accidents happened, then bacteria have lost its wings and began to walk straight. And more accidents happened, then the brain became big and it made the computer. And I should believe that. Honestly, if you even think it's possibly paradventure reasonable, your head is obviously not correct. But as silly as it looks, is taught on a daily basis. It fills every science textbook. If you write anything otherwise, they will say you are teaching religion. Even though it's silly and stupid. So I tell my students <laughs> when I'm teaching, I said that is why I like to teach in Nigeria. When nobody cares what I say. If you go to some schools, <laughs> when Charles Towns wrote an article, an article that won him the John Templeton Prize, John Templeton is a man who, you know, like you have Nobel. John Templeton said, you have not, we have not yet investigated enough the link between the spiritual and the physical. So he released money like Alfred Nobel did to be giving, you know, awarding people every year a Templeton prize when you are able to demonstrate some link between the spiritual and the physical, you know, just trying to help people to study it. $1.5 million is what he gives. Nobel gives like $900,000. He gives 1.5 million. So they give the award every year. Different people have won it. Dalai Lama has won it, different people. But one of those, that was the first time I heard actually of um, Charles Towns. Charles Towns wrote an article. That's where I'm going. And that was why they gave him the John Templeton Award for the year in the MIT magazine. You know MIT? The Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Okay? He wrote, and you know what he wrote? To explain how he got the idea 
to develop what they call the MESA, that is a microwave amplification through stimulated emission of radiation long grammar, okay? <laughs> that, so which won him the Nobel Prize for 1963 or 1968 in physics. No, he's an accomplished professor of physics in MIT. I used to follow his um, lectures, that is like just watching. He taught until he died at the age of 99. I knew when he died. I was hoping he would live to be 100. He, he was still teaching when he died at the age of 99. But he wrote an article just to explain what happened. All right? That he just had an idea. It didn't drop in, on, in, in his heart According to him, like prophets receive revelation. For him, that was his own prophetic revelation. And he took it to his lab, took him two years of working, and it worked. So he just wrote that story. And do you know, the moment he pub they published it, I think one of the most, you know, the biggest financial supporters of MIT said they had to withdraw that magazine, otherwise he withdraw his money. When you talk about Antichrist, that's what we're talking about. The man said, if MIT does not issue a withdrawal, he will not give them a dollar again. Maybe the kind of person that gives them maybe $20 million a year, you know, heavy money. His own is that, how can they publish such rubbish? The man didn't say believe in God, though. The man just said, this was how it happened with me. I won the Nobel Prize for Physics sometime in the 60s for the work I did in this area. What was the foundation of the work? I'm a physicist. That idea, everybody said it was not doable. Everybody. Then he sat down one day on a park bench, and the thing dropped in his head. And he went back and said, it can be done. They said, it can't be done. He said, just watch me. It took him two years of working with his PhD students before they produced it. And he just wrote a story about it. But people who said, there is no God. They said, why would we write such things? Anyway, the man like Sadhu Salvarai said he had a vision of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord showed him what was wrong with Albert Einstein's theory of general and no special relativity. That Jesus knows physics. Of course, why wouldn't he know physics? He created physics with his words. So what I'm going to say is that so the world tries to tell us that he is not God. But the scriptures tell us all the time that he is God and there is none else. So the job we have is to retrain our minds, retrain our spirits, retrain our souls to know who is God. I'm going to read the scriptures again today, as we often do. And I want to just say something. Let's read a number of stories. Stories we know very well, so nothing. We'll read them first, then we'll start. Um, because today we are talking about the fact that God is a keeper. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the fact that he's a healer. Today I feel like talking about the fact that he's a keeper. And I want us to read a few scriptures. I just want to bring out something. You know, I want to first of all look at the life of... Well, which one do we... Okay, we'll read both of them. It's something that we read a lot. So let me just um, get it out. First Chronicles chapter 10. We all know about Saul, right? First king of Israel. The other day, <laughs> I referenced uh, Samuel chapter 13 in one Bible that says Saul began to reign at the age of one. And he reigned in Israel for two years. <laughs> and I laughed. Of course, I encountered it because I was checking something. And they said that's actually the literal Hebrew. So that Bible says he was a child of one year of age when he began to reign. That's 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. 
and I reigned for two years <laughs> over Israel. And one man said, why are you arguing? The scripture says, ah, the man said, no, no, no. But not saying the scripture did not say, we're just saying that that's not what the scripture said. They said in Hebrew that there's a lot of a gap, you know, that the number was not given. So the, the, the Hebrew text doesn't have the number. It just has a space and, and two. So many Bibles have tried to fit the correct thing in. So the man I was reading, a professor of uh, Old Testament in a, some, in a university in the U.S., he believes that Saul reigned for um, 12 years. So that to him, because the Bible is the word two. So it's some, there's a gap and two. So he thinks that first one should be 10. And many Bibles, like mine, put the word 42. They say use 42, some use 22, some use that. You read different versions, you see different things. But the man explained why it had to be 12 years. And his reason was because the ark was in Kiriath Jerim for 20 years. I remember the ark went into captivity at the end of Eli's um, reign before Saul became king. And then David was the one that brought it to Jerusalem. And David reigned for about seven years before he moved to Jerusalem. So that it didn't make sense for Saul to have reigned for more than 12 years. That was his own argument, and I bought it. Okay? Why am I talking about that? Uh-huh. I like to educate people. That's all. <laughs> you know? My, that's my job, to give people information, understanding. So that when you're reading your Bible, I say, Paul, Saul reigned for 42 years. You know, Saul was a father by the time they anointed him king. Remember that? His son, Jonathan, was already leading fights. So it was definitely not a small boy, maybe by the age of 20. So if he reigned for 42 years, hmm, someone would have been like 80-something when he died. Anyway, that's just by the way. But you said we know about Saul. If you didn't know about him, now you know more things about him after today. <laughs> now, let's look at what happened. Where does it which you open to? Chapter 10. Okay, okay, okay. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines closely pursued Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua, the sons of Saul, three of them. The battle became heavy against Saul, and the archers overtook him, and he was wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Otherwise, these uncircumcised will come and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore, Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he likewise fell on his own sword and died. Thus, Saul died with his three sons, and all those of his house died together. When all the men of Israel who were in the valley saw that they had fled, and as Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. It came about the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his sons falling on Mount Gilboa. So they stripped him and took his head and his armor and sent messengers around the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the house of their gods and fastened his head in the house of Dagon. When all Jabesh Gilead heard all that the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and took away the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons and brought them to Jabesh. And they buried their bones under the oak in Jabesh and fasted seven days. 
all of this I've read to get to these next two verses. I wanted us to get the story well. And so, Bible says, verse 13, so Saul died for the trespass which he committed against the Lord because of the word of the Lord which he did not keep. And also because he asked counsel of a medium, making inquiry of it, and did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, he killed him. Who killed Saul? The Philistines? Saul himself? Therefore, he killed him and turned the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. I read all of this for us to see what happened around Saul's death again. It was a battle issue. It could have been a tactical error that made him that exposed. It could have been many things. But the Bible says clearly, Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord. His, the reason for his death was not military. It was not anything tactical. We remember the story of Ai again. When Israel went to Ai with 3,000 men and they lost the battle. When they finally won the battle, they went with 30,000 men. So on the surface, we talked about that on Saturday, so be careful how we make interpretations concerning our lives. On the surface, you will think, the problem was too few soldiers. Why were you going to battle with 3,000 when you finally won with 30,000? So next, the lesson is, next time, go with 40,000. But that was not what happened. The reason they lost the battle was because the law of God was broken. And we know the story of Achan. Why did they go with 30,000 the second time? Many reasons, I don't know. I suspect that it was just to boost the faith of the men so they could fight valiantly, maybe. But the victory was a gift of God. When they attacked, the Bible says that Joshua had to point his spear at the city. He had to point it directly there. He didn't go, he just pointed. That was the spear of the victory of the Lord. Even though there were 30,000, the victory was from God. Even though there were 3,000 the first time, the loss was spiritual. I hope you are getting my point here. Let's never forget it. God said, who will entice Ahab to go to Ramos Gilead that he might perish there? And, you know the story, all kinds of spirits were seeing all kinds of things. Micaiah saw all of them in a vision and said, so a lying spirit is in the mouth of your prophets. Now, when Ahab went to battle, Ahab died again of what? Like, he died by evolution, by chance. You know, by evolution. That's what it looked like. The man who killed Ahab would never find out, unless they had marks on their arrows, and they pulled out the arrow later to see whose name was on it. Have you ever seen this film, 300? Yeah. You see the, the way those men, when the, um, what's the name of those in video, I mean? Anyway, the, the patients, when they were coming, there was a time, if you see, they said that we'll black out the sun with our arrows. That's how men used to fight. What they meant is that we'll shoot so many arrows, you will think they are raining from heaven. So, that's what archers used to do. They shoot from far. It's like carpet bombing. What am I going to say? Jehoshaphat wore his royal robes to go to battle. So that you know this is a king. Ahab went disguised as a common soldier. I hope you are getting my point. 
he went disguised as a common soldier. So that nobody will, you know, because they are told them, don't fight with great or small, just find me the king of Israel. So Ahab went disguised like a common soldier so that the opponents would not target him. Josaphat went wearing his command, you no know, armor, everything. So they pursued him when they found those guys were determined. So when they came after him, they said, that must be the king of Israel. When they caught up with Joseph, they asked, Joseph said, no, my name is Joseph. I came from Judah. <laughs> Do you know what happened? They left him, even though he was an enemy. He was fighting on the side of Ahab. So they didn't find Ahab. But you know what happened? Ahab still died. Because those archers just shot at random. Phew, phew, they just shot into the air. Ahab was wearing an armor, a metal plate on his back and on his shoulder. But for you to move your shoulder, there had to be a joint. That arrow caught that joint, pierced him, and killed him. Why? Because the Lord had said, who will entice Ahab to go to Ramos Gilead so that he might fall there? I'm, not, I'm telling these stories again to remind us that these things in life, they are not accidents. They are not accidents. Hmm. They are not accidents. One of my friends told me a story. One, this is, this is, this is an occultist gist, but it was impressive to let you know how things happen. Say one man died because they were having some tussle. And they were doing the black magic thing, juju, all those kind of things. It was in Lagos. So his people wanted to avenge. So they went and did all their, you know, all their conjuring and everything. And spiritually, they handed the man a gun to go and kill those who killed him. Of course, those are all demonic oppressions. But what struck me about it was that the two men that they were targeting spiritually, how they died. My friend said, look, they gave, they gave that guy a gun. You know, in their, you know, in their, their spiritual gun. And those men were in the car one day. They were going on the road one part, somewhere in the Keja. And armed robbers were operating somewhere. They came to rob a bank or something. As they were leaving, people were panicking and running up and down. This man came from their cars and ran on that, laid on the floor. Maybe in the gutter or beside the car, under the car. The armor robbers stopped, came there, shot them where they were. Entered their cars and drove away. Do you hear what I said? They were not in the bank. They were not under attack. They were just on the road, going normally, normally. So please, stop looking at life from the physical level so one brother told me in this town, we're sitting down together. He said all his life, he just knew that he was not going to live beyond the age of 30-something. I always use 30 as an example. A few days before, sometime before that he gave his life to Christ. He said, and that's the thing that used to follow him about stopped. Just before, I always felt somebody was following him. Never used to see anybody. A few days, if he's 34, he told me, a few days of that 34th birthday, he was driving with his friend one evening. Thieves just blocked him. Armed boys. Came out, said the guy just pointed a gun to him, close range, and fired. And then, of course, it was not hit anything because the whole thing happened in a few minutes. They took his car, took him. The guy who shot him, in quote, apologized that he should not be angry that he would get his car. He said the guy you could see he was high. He wasn't thinking, his eyes were red. Finally, they dropped him off. He went to the police station to go and report. And that man was making a statement. One man he made, they was making a statement that they shot, they killed the owner of the car they took. He now said, no, that's, they didn't kill him, that I'm the one. The guy says, it became an argument. I saw them kill you. The guy said, look at me, I'm okay. 
I deliberately jump on part of the story. Just before then, his friend he was driving with, I said, please, wind down or wind up something. So it had caused him to shift the glass on his side. That, that mechanism that lifts the glass up and down was positioned to trap the bullet. So when the guy pulled the gun and shot through the door, that thing just grabbed the bullet. They found it there, not the story. They saw the thing. The hole in the car was there when they found the car. But it didn't come out on the other side, where he was sitting. So when they opened it, they saw where the bullet was lodged in the, in the steel that's there. Why? Because a few days before, he had given his life to Christ, and the curse that said he would die before his 34th birthday had been broken. This is my own interpretation. And God planted an eyewitness to see what was supposed to happen. Life is not an accident. Life is not an accident. Listen, if you are looking for protection, it's not a gun you need. So I heard the story the other day made me laugh. There was one big man in Nigeria who was kidnapped. You may have heard the story. As at now, I've not heard that he's been released or anything. This was just about last week. Today is Tuesday, yeah, Sunday last week. So I called one of our sisters. We were talking about it. We were just talking about things in Nigeria generally. He now said that one was funny. He said because she knows the man. That he was in a bulletproof vehicle. The criminals, no, chased his car down, killed the two armed escorts he had. He had two armed escorts. They killed them. With all the bullets flying, they were shooting randomly. People were running into the bush. This was somewhere in Benin. Ask her so as you are entering into Benin. This is the funny part of it. When she told me, I said, Jesus. He was in a bulletproof vehicle. So all that bullet going up and down did not touch him. His driver drove some distance, parked the car, and ran away. <laughs> Do you get my point? So all the bulletproofing had no advantage in his life. Because the, he said maybe the driver forgot he was in a bulletproof vehicle. Or he saw traffic in front. The man, he panicked. Once he saw space, he stopped, jumped down, and disappeared. A man who had invested money in a bulletproof vehicle was picked like that. One of our brothers, we used to live in Transipolo together those days. We were staying upstairs, he was staying downstairs. He hardly used to lock his door. That is, he had, you know these plywood doors? We had metal all over the place. He would just turn the key in the plywood door and walk away. So one day I come and say, bros, come. Why don't you just buy a cheap padlock, you know? 500 naira in today's naira. Lock this thing now. He said, that one. He said, Pastor B, don't worry. I'm not worried, but it just makes sense to lock it. He said, anything that can enter, should carry what he wants to carry, please. He lived like that till he left. Lock this door. That is, his door was so weak that you just run and run into it to open. He said, when you have opened it, take what you want and go away. What was his reason? He said the day he lost faith in all the security thing, that his father has a friend. That man had everything. CCTV. Electrified wire. Bulletproof door. Everything. He said, Pastor Banky, the day thieves came to the house, they went and caught the man somewhere and came home with him. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> that's that all of this was so. He said that day, he lost faith in everything. That the man was opening the door by himself. <laughs> he said after that, 
He just said, Lord, look, take care of me. I, I don't have time to take care of myself. He said, I don't have time to take care of myself. So after, after he told me that, I kept quiet. I let this door like <laughs> Safety is of the Lord. That's all we are saying. Life is spiritual. Oh, life is totally spiritual. Life is totally spiritual. There is no accident in this life. Nobody dies by chance. Everyone who's going to die is selected. You hear that there was an Ebola breakout. It's still going on in Congo. And 5,000 or I don't know how many thousands have died as at now. Let me tell you, before the plague began, the names of those who will die were written. Those that will not die, the names were written. It's possible to change the list along the line. Yes, it is. But it's not by medical intervention, but through prayer. They wrote a long list in Israel. When they got to 70,000, David said, please now. So the angel stopped. So number one to 70,000 died. David didn't say that. They were going for 140,000. Each one of them chosen. You hear of a plane crash. People say, ah, that's why it's not good to fly again. So stay in your house. They will not know that people who die in their homes from plane crashes are a huge number. He said, what do you mean? Yeah, plane fell on their head. You heard of Lockerbie bombing of those days. The plane fell into his town. A lot of people that died were on the ground. They were not inside the plane. Then I crashed in Lagos. Killed people at home. So what do you do now? What are you going to do? There's no way that it's safe. I've seen a young man, this is not a joke, I examined the cops. Young boy, not young man, a boy who died alone in his room from a bullet. Which nobody shot from close range. I told them this boy died from a falling bullet, and it was not a joke. And they went to the house and checked, and there was a hole in the roof. I'm certain Nigeria Air Force killed the body, they did not know. Because they were doing some exercises at that time. Somebody shot into the air. It dropped on their roof. Around 2 a.m., hit the boy in the neck where he was sleeping. He just screamed out of his sleep, grabbed his neck. His mother rushed in, saw him bleeding from his hand. Where did he come from? But they had hit a vital, vital um, vessel. Boy bled to death in a few minutes. In Okuna, no hill. I'm not telling the story of Texas. They say, I won't go out again because I want to be safe. People have sat in their houses. I only found out later that they died. Because they didn't have time to know the house collapsed. They were sleeping. They just wake up in the morning. Ah, where's my body? They say, bros, they are burying you right now as we speak. What happened? The house you were in collapsed. So your spirit came out through the concrete. They are looking for safety in anything. It doesn't exist. It does not exist. That's what we are saying. It does not exist. It does not exist. Every plane that is going to crash and kill people, those entering it are recorded specifically and the angels guide them in or demons, whoever is guiding whoever guides them in. Each person's person carries him inside. 
If the angel is moving him, the angel will say, Bros, we'll see you in heaven. But God says, Time. How you go take go? Enter this place. <laughs> you know, of course, many of us know the we know the one that killed the Bimbo Dukoya. When I heard the story of that crash, I said, Father in heaven. The plane was already loaded, full. They were, I think they had closed the door, about to close the door. When, and God said, no, the, the list is not correct. And God said, let's exchange people. So some, port, some river state government officials came. They were rushing to get back to Port Harcourt. So they used their clout. So the airline evacuated the plane and began to reload people in. First of all, they brought in with the government officials. When those ones were seated, they brought the children in next. They brought some people in. Some people were now stranded. This is injustice. This is injustice. You use your power to oppress the poor. God said, I'm saving your life. He said, blessed are the meek. Listen, I mean, for certain reasons, I'm reading about the meek. Sometimes it's not, look, enough of fighting. The young man telling us the story. I, I was watching it on TV. I heard the story from a young man who was discharged from the plane. He said, there was one woman beside him. That one got so angry. She stomped up the stairs into the plane by force. Then anybody to push her out. But they were forced to find a place to sit her on the plane. They closed the door. And only one, I think, or two people came out from that plane alive. And that's how the woman died. And that young man was like, I'm sure the rest of his life, he won't fight for his rights. The rest of his life, he's not going to fight for anything. If you, if you slap him, he will check. Say, God will bless you. <laughs> Say, I will slap you again. Say, which side do you want? Slap both sides. Say, this your slap has saved my life. You'll be wondering, what is wrong with this one? He said, bros, I've been there before. My life was saved by oppression. Death is not an accident. Injuries are not even accidental. Every time something happens, <laughs> I pray. No matter how trivial. No matter how trivial, I wonder. Even if I, I just, I, I check inside my, you know, inside me. Lord, what is going on? Because you have to learn to say such prayers when things are still mild. Are you getting my point? One of my senior colleagues those days, his fence fell, killed his dog. That's the kind of person I am. I will have prayed over that dog. It's not the dog to rise from the dead. What is going on? Because a few days later, the fence now fell and killed him. Oh, yes. As I just learned, something small happens. You know, you just wait. Ah, maybe I have flat tire today. Next day, another tire goes flat. Third day, another tire goes flat. Say, wait, 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 wait. You can tell me any story about nails all over the place. I start wondering, Papa, what's going on? Did I steal this tire? I start wondering, what is going on? What is, who's puncturing my tire? I don't even think it's nails. I start wondering, what is going on? What is going on? My reason is that sometimes I just interpret those things as warnings. And it's not a warning that, you know, be careful about physical things. No, it's about spiritual things. Please let's understand it. Life is not an accident. I'm talking about the fact that God is on this throne. He's the keeper 
Chance is not our God. That's what I'm just going to emphasize. Chance is not our God. Chance is not our God. So you don't improve. Listen, you can learn things. I, le- I, know, I, I learn, I teach my children, you know, when, <laughs> when it was time when Akinlu became big. So you can now start changing from Nepa to generator, start the gen. I sat him down and gave him a lecture. Never go out without slippers. Don't grab anything electrical. Push. Don't hold. I taught him all of this. So I'm not saying that we don't learn all these simple, basic things about life. So what's the difference between grab and push? If you push, if it shocks you, it knocks you off. If you grab, your hand goes into spasm. That's just the difference. Now you've learned something today. It's not only Bible I teach. <laughs> okay, that's, that's another story. But so I, I, I taught him all of those things, okay? But our neighbor died because his son went to go, that is a young boy, our neighbor, where we used to live. The boy went to change over from Nepal. Bam! The boy was electrocuted. He died there. It did not cross my mind. Ah, the father should have taught him. I'm, I'm wiser than that. I have more wisdom than this. Why didn't the father teach him how to hold electricity? The boy died and only son. That was the end of it. I just knew that, look, this is a spiritual thing. That's why, you know, some of the precautions people take, I don't take them. Not because, you know, people have told me, wow, you allow your children to go to school by, by public transport. I said, why not? I went to school by public transport. Ha, hey, hey, what do you want me to do? <laughs> they will stand on the road and call Keke. You think I'll be carrying them forever? Their mother will not do anything again now because they have children that are growing up. They told me all kinds of stories. I bet, leave that thing. I'm not trying to be careless. I pray, don't think I'm kidding. Ah, this is when Akili will go to school by himself. He knows he will come and collect his blessing in the morning before he goes out. His mother will prophesy for him. But I say, listen, I can't live like this, being afraid of my shadow. The world is dangerous. Mm, we still have to live. So we'll pray some more. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Where kidnapping abounds, double the number of angels. That's what the Bible is saying. <laughs> no, it's true. I have a colleague that is, I say, oh boy. Ah, last time we had a program in my office. You know, people came from all over the country. And the lady that, well, the resource person that came from my department is a young American woman. All right? White. Not, they didn't even send us a black person. White. So walking in the office, walking in the office. So my guy was like, so the woman that wanted to leave, those who had police escorts. So they said, she should come and go. And we are busy. Was she and one Ghanaian. So I just said, guys, don't worry. I'll drop in the hotel afterward. One of my colleagues said, no. No, he came to me and said, sir, I heard that you say you are going to drop them in the hotel. So I said, eh, so? Ah, no. I'm like, what do you want me to do now? Okay, they have gone. So I should have not hired our department. I know. This, they do not know. The American woman is not afraid. You, you want to not kill me with fear. In my mind, you know, there's one prayer I pray. I call it, alas, it was borrowed. It's one of the prayers I pray. It's called, alas, it was borrowed. I learned, I don't know where I learned it long ago. If you tell the Lord, this is not my own, he takes care of it for you. The son of, servants of Elisha came. The axe head fell into the water. He said, my master, alas, it was borrowed. We have to return it. 
Elijah said, Elijah said in that case, collected stick, held it. According to John G. Lake, he held it enough for spiritual energy to magnetize the wood. They threw the wood on the water, and the iron clung to it, and they collected it back. So when I want to pray some prayers, I call it, alas, it was borrowed. As I was calling the American woman, I said, Lord, alas, she was borrowed, though. <laughs> Next day, they had some issues with their luggage. So, he now said that, uh, that he has to go and buy some stuff, you know, personal things, clothes, and all of that. So, I told one of my lady doctors, please take her to the mall. The same guy came, ha, ah, Oga. Okay. <laughs> I said, what is wrong with you now? So, she won't wear clothes again. She said, you know, they had an issue with their flight. So, their luggage didn't arrive. He said, the only thing she has is your car, just carry on. And we had events next, she has to go and shop. I said, okay, you go to the, uh, you, you go to the mall, you know. So one of the ladies, please come and take this woman to the mall. And it was going to be evening, around 7 o'clock. Hey, the guy said, no, sir, Jim, no, now. My one is that. It is not, it's not on my neck. That's why Allah will start. They won't say that uh, they gave this woman to the population of kidnappers to carry away. I'll now go to FBI to go and give reports. <laughs> I said, no. It is, alas, it was borrowed. I said, Lord, alas, she was borrowed. But just to one guy, please, just drive and accompany them. There are two ladies. You just walk with them, Okay. Say so, yes, sir. So when they were done, are you guys okay? Yes. You dropped her in the hotel? Fine. All this noise they are making. How many policemen did they have? How many policemen did they have? All this noise they are making. I saw one policeman that came to escort them one evening. I looked at the guy and said, <laughs> <laughs> Mama, you never jam. You are the one that will protect these people. If I didn't even look interested in protecting anybody, sir. <laughs> he just came to show off his gun, just carrying the gun, sir. The Lord is good. What I wanted to say, listen, God has helped me with that. Life is not a game of chance. Listen, the flesh always tries to speak up because he hears all kinds of negative things. So don't think I never get those feelings myself. I do. You hear all kinds of reports. You start hesitating before you travel. Just that I have refused to not travel. God has helped me with that. After all the talk, 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 I said, the reason why I will not move is fear. Ah, I said, I must not go on record. We have to live for something. Are you getting my point? What if we die in the process? At least we lived by faith. Like I always say, when I'm dead, write it dead. This guy lived by faith. He died in the process. Praise God. Write it like if I forgot to add praise God. Now I've told you that one now. Add praise God, don't die it. Yes. We can't refuse to leave. We can't. We can't refuse to leave. And I am convinced, I am convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that God's angels go around with his people. I've told this story. I used to encourage people. My friend who was afraid one day, he went home to go and pray. And then he just knew that he just felt somebody is in this room with me. And he turned and look, looked, and he saw the person. Except that it was not the normal person you and I know. The guy was black and tall, and according to him, very, he said, I can't call him handsome. That is to undermine the beauty I saw on the guy. He said, this guy was beautiful, big. He said his head touched the ceiling, and he folded his hands and blocked the door. 
so that not even air could pass through. He was about to say, who is this? And in the spirit he heard, your guardian angel. He said, and the kind of peace that he couldn't explain came upon him. All fear disappeared. What I say to one, I say to all. As far as I'm concerned, that's my testimony too. I may not have seen that angel, but he's alive. I mean, they're alive. They're real. I give the story of my friend. They changed his tire. A friend of mine came to look for me. Never been to Western Nigeria in his life. Decided to come to Adweki to come and look for me. He got there only for them to tell him I had traveled home. Started navigating on those states. He arrived in Kare where I was at night. Never been, he's an Igbo man, never been to Western Nigeria in his life. That was my best man. One of my years later, he was my best man. When he told the story of, so I was just in the house about to eat supper. I heard the door, you know, somebody knock on our door. First, I first heard the screen shift, you know, the way it is, so that the person could knock. Ah. So, I, I was, the way our house is, the dining area, you can't see the front door. Okay? So I was eating. The person just knocked. My mother said, who is that? And it's strange, the person answered in English at 8 p.m. He said, I'm looking, sir, please, I'm looking for Bankole. Of course, this way we answer, my mother said, from where? I mean, it's 8 p.m. for goodness sake. They didn't know who it was. You know what he said? He said, from Umuahia. I can assure you, my mother didn't know where Umuahia was. <laughs> but that time, I was, you know, I was, I just, I just shouted, Uche. I'm sure when he heard my voice, he calmed down. You understand? I asked him, how did you get here? When he told me the story, I said, no, that doesn't make sense. Only an, God had to send an angel to give him the description. It made no sense. Ah, he came to a strange town at night. The story is a bit long. Because he, he misinterpreted something I told him before. The way an Igbo man thinks and the way Yoruba man thinks is very, very different. Yeah, you know, what Igbo man calls village is village. We don't have them in Western Nigeria. So you never get to a town where there are just a number of houses. No. If I said when he got there that day, as soon as he taxed, the boss he came in, entered the, the, the town, he knew he was lost. Because by the time you travel a great distance from the edge of the town to the motor park, he knew there's a problem. So he misinterpreted what I said. He thought he would just go to any house and ask for my mother. But make a long story short, he stood by the road. A bit, you know, like lost. I just turned to one guy, please, I'm looking for such and so person. And the guy looked like, I don't know him, like, ah, I suppose not. <laughs> so he stood, it was getting dark. The woman just stopped him. He said, sorry, I heard you ask for such and so person. He said, yes. He asked him a few questions. The guy gave the, the answers. He said, yes, that's true. He said, ah, I know his house. Now, to tell you how far it is, he said, Cross this road. Take a bus going in this direction. When you get to so-and-so place, come down. Cross. You will see a place in the describe. You say, go in there. That the woman who owns that, you know, like eating joint, that the woman is from my hometown. That go and ask for his father. The woman should know. It's not a small town. So he had to take... Now, that was the third bus he was taking that day. So it's not that he walked from here to here. He now took another bus, and that one drove, drove. Finally, he came down where they said, 
he crossed really, he saw where people were eating, he said, please, can I see the owner of this establishment? He said, she's inside there. He said, please, I'm looking for Susan Sopez. He called my full name. The woman didn't know me, but recognized my surname. And that's called, wait, call one of her sons. Come, come and take Susan Sopez to Susan Sopez's house. By the time I got to my house, it was 8 p.m. When I heard the story, I said, only an, look, that, there's no coincidence like that. My friend was traveling, two Fulani headsmen, speaking perfect English, changed his tire. He gave them money. He started the car, turned to say thank you. He couldn't find them again. He said, Bank, if you know Northern Nigeria, where could they have gone? But they, had, they were gone. Then he parked in Kano and saw his money on his seat. He said, Goose pimples bathed him immediately. He said, now I'm telling the story. I'm still getting the goose pimples. He said, there were two Fulani men carrying their headsman's stick. He said, their English was clean. And they just said, ah, okay, the tire is down. He said, he said that time, he was fasting. He was weak. He was tired. He said, no, 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 you sit inside the car. He didn't ask him, where is your jack? Where's your tire? He said they asked him no question. They just went there, opened the boot of the car, brought out the tire, brought out the jack, fixed the whole thing, put it back and told him that he could go. He took money. He said, Banky, I remember. Those notes were two. One, they were in my pocket. I took one and gave the man. He returned the other one to my pocket. He took it. Then I started the car to drive off, then turned around to tell them, thank you and bye-bye. I didn't see them again. And I was wondering, ah, where could these guys have gone? The ground around is plain, open. But he didn't think anything of it until he got to where he was going and he saw his money right on the chair beside him. Let's open our Bibles. Psalm 121. Adam and Eve were not alone in the garden. No? All the stories you watch on National Geographic that they were picking fruits from here and there, they lie. They had angels living with them. Israel, that small Israel. No, we have two Israels. Can we rise to our feet? You are going to read Psalm 121 first. Take the mic a bit close to you. It's a very... Psalm 121, from verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. You will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. Amen. The sun will not smite you by day, Amen. nor the moon by night. Amen. The Lord will protect you from all evil. Amen. He will keep your soul. Amen. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Amen. The Lord will guard your going out, say amen, amen. and your coming in amen. from this time forth and forever. Amen. Everybody say after me, the Lord is my keeper, the Lord is my shade on my right hand. The sun will not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect me from all evil. He will keep my soul. The Lord will guard my going out and my coming in 
from this time forth and forever. Say the Lord is the keeper. Say it again. The Lord is the keeper. The Lord is my keeper. Say chance is not my keeper. Nigeria police is not my keeper. Security men, they are not my keeper. A fence is not my keeper. Burglar proof, not my keeper. Electrified fencing, not my keeper. A safe neighborhood, not my keeper. Say the Lord is my keeper. Say it again. The Lord is my keeper. He will give his angels charge concerning me. They will keep me in all my ways. In the name of Jesus Christ. Like the right prince will say, if that is true, what should a grateful person do? Give thanks. Take a minute and give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. 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 Because you are my keeper. Say, Lord, I thank you. Because you are my keeper. Say, Lord, I thank you. Because you are my keeper. Say, Lord, I thank you. Because you are my keeper. Let's open our Bibles again. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Where's your Bible? We're reading about four verses. They're some of my favorite verses these days. Sorry, 33. That's it, 32. Deuteronomy chapter 33. What we are doing is to recognize who God is, put Him in the right place in our hearts, before our faces. Deuteronomy chapter 33. Read from verse 26 to verse 29, to the end of the chapter. Okay. There is none like the God of Jehurum, who rides in heavens to your help and through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he drove out the enemy from before you and said, Destroy. So Israel dwells in security. Amen. The fountain of Jacob secluded. In a land of grain and new wine. Amen. His heavens Amen. also drop down dew. Amen. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. So your enemies will cringe before you and you will tread upon their high places. The eternal God is your dwelling place. Amen. There is none like the God of Israel Amen. who rises the heavens to your help. Amen. Say it after me. Say, there is none like the God of Israel who rises the heavens to my help and through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is my dwelling place. Say that again. The eternal God, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, my father he's my dwelling place and underneath me are his everlasting arms 
Say he has driven out the enemy from before me. He has commanded destruction concerning them. So I dwell in security. The fountain of my life is secluded in the land of grain and new wine. In a land of prosperity. The heavens over me drop down dew. Say the heavens over me drop down dew. Say I am blessed. I'm saved by the Lord. Who is the shield of my help? And the sword of my majesty. Say every enemy will cringe before me. And I will tread upon their high places. What will a grateful person do? Give them nothing. Let's just give him thanks. Father, we thank you. That song we're singing before. Let's sing it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy To open our hearts to who the Lord is to us. Second Kings chapter 6. I want to read this an interesting story there. You read a bit fast. For time's sake, I will just give us a background to it. The king of Aram was fighting against Israel. So he would be plotting and his plots would be exposed. And he thought he had, you know, a traitor spying for the king of Israel. But the servant said to him, no, it is Elisha, a prophet in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> so he said to them, go and find him for me. Some people are interested, Shah. A man that knows what you are doing in your bedroom. You want to go and find him. Don't you know he knows you are looking for him? <laughs> he said, go and find him for me. They told him he's in Dosan. Now read from me from verse 15. Now, when the attendants of the man of God had risen early... Sorry, I need to say something verse. So in verse 14... Now, start from verse 14. Start from 14. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrendered the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Read that again, read that again. So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than them that are with them. Did I hear an amen? Amen. Those who are with you are more than those who are with your enemies. Amen. They are more than those who are with trouble in the society. Amen. They are more than those who are with the kidnappers. Amen. They are more than those who are with the robbers. Amen. They are more than with those who don't like you. Amen. Those who are with you are more than those that your eyes can see. Amen. Now continue reading. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Mm. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike these people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. <laughs> and he brought them to Samaria. When they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those who have taken captive with you, with your sword and with your bow? set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them and when they had eaten and drunk he sent them away and they went to their master and the marauding bands of Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. Alright, the Lord is good. All the time. That's how angels work. They confuse people. They confuse people. They will give them your address they will go to another city. Say amen. They will go to your house and there will be an empty plot. <laughs> you are at home. Your children are there. Your cars are there. Everything is there. But they will go there and say, ah, this plot is empty. It's called, the, it's called angelic blindness. When angels blind people, they, they don't see. They see, but they don't perceive. They will see a well-built house, beautiful compound with light. But all they will be perceiving is grass, empty land. They will even see for sale. Why? Because they have been blinded. Do you know why Elijah, Elisha was not afraid? Because he knew, he knew what was going on. you know why his servant was afraid? He did not know what was going on. Today, we have read that for you to know what is going on. Those who are with you, they are plenty. Amen. The angels of God, they are with you. Amen. You are not alone. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not fear any evil. Amen. For the Lord will be with you. Amen. Listen, even if it's 12 midnight on a dangerous road, safety is your portion. Amen. Because you are not traveling alone. You are not traveling alone. That's the point we are making. You are not traveling alone. The Lord is with you. Amen. Like a mighty warrior, he is with you. Amen. I said like a mighty warrior, he is with you. Amen. You are surrounded by his angels. Amen. Remember, safety is of the Lord. It's not a game of chance. It's of the Lord. Safety is of the Lord. The Lord is your keeper. Say it again. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. Say it. His eternal arms. His eternal arms. The everlasting arms are under me. 
He is my eternal keeper. Say the Lord is my keeper. The police, they are not my keeper. The fence is not my keeper. The bulletproof wall is not my keeper. I heard the story of a man trying to install bulletproof door in his house. The door killed him. The door, the door. Built a house, wanted to install a bulletproof door. Listen, this life, eh? I said, God always collects his payment. You can't owe him and get away with it. And you know what his payment is. His payment is truth. Acknowledging the truth. Anything you lift up higher than him, he will judge. Anything you lift up higher than God, he will judge it. He will judge it. If you finish building your house, see solid, the, the, the steel bar inside. In fact, you are a prisoner, self. The fire not break out. Because you can't go anywhere. You now look and say, hey, this house is safe, that's it. God will make an apprentice burglar break into the house out of mercy. Not a serious armed guy, just an apprentice burglar. Let me tell you what the Lord will do for you one day. You have CCTV all over the place. One day you wake up in the morning and realize that it has not worked the whole night. That's how God makes people trust him. You know, after you've done everything, after you've done everything, then you, you wake up in the morning and realize that your, your back door has not been locked for two days. <laughs> you have CCTV, you have everything. No? You just want, just, ah, this door is not locked. Listen, sometimes you locked it. An angel came and unlocked it. You are so sure you locked it. God will say there is no problem. You know, you know this is our relationship. I don't want anything to spoil it. So he will send an angel. An angel will come and unlock it. So you will come and say, ah, this door is open. The angel will say, yes. You will be wondering who left it open. When it happens three times, then you learn to trust God. You will lose faith in your own door. <laughs> if you are thinking it's your dog, ah, God said there is no halal. One day your dog will fall asleep. You almost drive over the dog, you don't wake up. Listen, the Bible, they are sleeping dogs like that. They don't bark. And no, God just said, no, don't worry, nothing bad will happen to you. It's just that he wants you to quickly know that every other, everything you have confidence in, they can fail. So that when that has happened, don't be angry. Don't say, with all the money I paid to train this dog, it's an angel that, I mean, if these angels can make lions fall asleep, is it your dog that's a problem? God just wants to let you know that, listen, these dogs can't protect you. If you like dogs, get them. Be playing with the dogs. But if you think that is a source of protection, forget it. Say it again, the Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. He is my defender. He is my eternal dwelling place. Say it again, he is my eternal dwelling place. For time's sake, let's read a few scriptures. Just a few more. I'm jumping a few. Ezra chapter 8. Let me have my microphone. Give to the man beside you. Ezra chapter 8. Verse 22 is what I, where I wanted to read. Just one verse. Ezra chapter 8. Start from verse 21 and re- re- read to... Verse 23, Ezra 8. And here by the Havoc Canal, I gave orders 
for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We pray that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children and our goods, as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we have told the king our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him. Hmm. But his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and endlessly prayed that our God would take care of us. And he heard our prayer. Amen. You know, what happened here is that Ezra was going back to go and attend to temple matters. He now wants to tell the king, say, he has bragged to the king that God is faithfully disposed to those who seek him. He's only angry with those who are against him who forsake him. And I just want to come and ask the same king to give us protection. <laughs> he said we can't. So what do we do? Let us pray. You know, Pastor Corey told me something then that happened in Sokoto when bombing, bombing started. Boko Haram, this and that. So they came and met him. He was PFN chairman for the state. The pastors gathered and said, come, let us go and get bomb detectors, metal detectors. He said, so when we are finished detecting the bomb, what is the next thing that we are going to do? <laughs> the man came with a bomb. You decided it. So what will not happen? <laughs> he said, guys, he told them straight, we are Christians. Our God is alive. What are we going to do? We will pray. That was about five years ago. He said, till now, all the pastors in town gather every Tuesday till today to pray. Every Tuesday. Last time I was there in ministry, I was preaching when I just saw a large crowd arrive. Ah! Now to later that they are coming from the Tuesday prayer meeting because I was preaching that day on the Tuesday. He just came for his own program. A lot of them. That was a prayer. That's what they began to do. They began to pray. They prayed earnestly until the commander of the cantonment they testified. Oh, they tried to infiltrate Sokoto. They tried. Oh, they tried. He said, the man testified that the how we used to discover them was mysterious. He said it was mysterious. Nobody will know they are in town. They will not plan anything. They've not done anything yet. Then suddenly, in fact, he gave one example. It happened a number of times. The one he gave that was so interesting. He said, the commander just told the soldier to just go for patrol. They were just patrolling. And they patrolled to where the Boko Haram boys were hiding. Nobody knew they were in town. DSS did not know they were in town. Nobody knew they were in town. They had gotten a house on the outskirts of town. And they were stockpiling arms. So when they saw soldiers, the angels confused them. You know why? How? The angels told them that, ah, they've seen you. Meanwhile, the soldiers didn't see anything. They were just passing. So those were out of panic, they cocked their guns and began to shoot at the soldiers. So the soldiers, of course, they ran for cover, lay down there. Nobody was injured amongst them. They brought out their radio and radioed the ogre, say, ogre, we are under fire. Ah, just stay, we are coming. Those ones brought, <laughs> they brought weapons. Oh, don't they, they didn't go to Sokoto, they went. But he said God kept on exposing them because a prophetic word had come that this land will be too hot for them to stay. And there's no way they will hide. Do you know what happened? They could not hide. God kept on exposing them. My friend said, he told them that, ah, when we finish detecting Bob, what are we going to do? 
Say, guys, we need to do like Ezra. I'm adding words to it now. We ask God for protection. Pray this evening. Say, Lord, protect my home. According to your promise, protect my going out and my coming in. Pray for your father. Pray for your mother. Pray for your wife. Pray for your your children. Say, God, be my defense. According to your word. I open my mouth to release those words. Say, Lord, you are my defense. You are my keeper. You are my protector. According to your word, which says you will be with me in my going out and my coming in. Be with me as you have promised. Say, let no evil befall me. Let no plague come near my dwelling place. Lord, you are my defense. You are my helper. Your hand, let it be favorably disposed towards me. Keep my heart stayed on you alone. As I go out, as I come in, be with me. Like a mighty man of war. Your angels, mighty in strength, let them surround me. Lord, for those who are afraid, I pray, open their eyes that they may see that those who are with them are more than the troubles in this society. Let's open our Bibles quickly. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. We'll close in a moment. We just need to read these scriptures. We're reading all 16 verses. that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Everybody say, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. And in Him I trust. Continue reading. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Did I hear an amen? And from the noisome pestilence. Amen. He shall cover thee with his feathers. Amen. And under his wings shall thou trust. Amen. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Amen. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night. Amen. Nor for the arrow that flyeth by day. Amen. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in the darkness. Amen. Nor for the destruction that wasted at noonday. Amen. A thousand shall fall by thy side. Amen. And ten thousand by thy right hand. Amen. But it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. Only with thy eyes shall thou see shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Amen. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, 
there shall no evil befall thee. Amen. Neither shall any plague come near their dwelling. Amen. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. Amen. To keep thee in all thy ways. Amen. They shall bear thee up in their hands. Amen. Lest thou dash their, their, thy foot against the stone. Amen. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. Amen. The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample, trample under feet. Amen. Because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. Amen. I will set him on high. Amen. Because he has known my name. Amen. He shall call upon me. Amen. And I will answer him. Amen. I will be with him in trouble. Amen. I will deliver him and honor him. Amen. With long life will I satisfy him. Amen. And show him my salvation. Amen. In the name of Jesus, you are satisfied with long life. Amen. You will see the salvation of the Lord. I said, long life is your portion. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. No plague will come near your dwelling. Amen. The Lord will give his angels charge concerning you. Amen. They will keep you in all your ways. Amen. In your going out, safety is your portion. Amen. In your coming back, safety is your portion. Amen. Let's just read this one so we'll close. Isaiah chapter 54. I'll just read that one out. Isaiah chapter 54. The Lord is good. Now hear the word of the Lord from verse 15. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. The Lord said, Because I myself have, He said, Behold, I have, I myself have created a smith which blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for his work, and I have created the destroyer to ruin. Now, this is the word concerning you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon aimed in your direction will succeed. Amen. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. According to this word, I declare, no weapon aimed in your direction will succeed. Amen. If they fire a gun, it will miss. Amen. It will miss. Amen. It will miss. Amen. It will jump. Amen. But you, you will be safe. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, God is your defense. Amen. There is none like the God of Jacob Amen. who rises the heavens to your help and through the skies in his majesty. Amen. The eternal God is your dwelling place. Amen. And underneath you are his everlasting arms. Amen. I say to you again, every enemy has been driven out from before you. Amen. Your road is clear. Amen. Listen, anytime, listen to this, anytime you hear negative news, quote one of these scriptures today. Anytime you hear negative news, quote something. Don't just be silent. Remember, life is a battle of words. I remember those days in Enugu. They said, ah, I'm robbers. I wanted to buy a car. They said, I'm robbers. Like it. I said, I like it too. I said, I was sent to this city. They were not sent the way I was sent. I said, they will die, I will leave. That was just the way I used to answer everybody. They will die, I will leave. They will die, I will leave. Nobody should use fear 
to drive you up and down. Safety is of the Lord. Safety is of your Father. And I say to you again, He has granted you safety. He has forgiven your sins. He has forgiven even your fears. In the name of Jesus, you are safe. Listen, God will keep you, keep your loved ones. Listen, let me say this to you, you will not die young. You are not even going to hospital. You will not be on admission. You will just be well. You will just be safe. You will just be kept. And you will do the will of God in your life. Let's follow the reference again. If you really believe, a grateful person will start giving thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Let's say, Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, please bless three people around you. Say this is your season. Two more people, this is your season. One more person, this is your season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. The last one for yourself, this is my season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, no affliction is allowed to stay on your body. Even if your eyes are weak, they say it's age. I command it to become strong in Jesus' name. Glaucoma is not your portion. You blinded your uncle. It will not blind you. I command normal eyesight for you in the name of Jesus. Normal pressure for your eyes in the name of Jesus. Strength for your bones in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, cherub brethren. God bless you. See you on Saturday.